I'm Brian Carpenter, host of Fresh Air at Five, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Life. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful Monday evening, or it may be well into Tuesday morning, depending on where it is that you're joining us across the globe. But as always, I want to thank you for all of your support. Thank you so much for all the likes, the shares, the follows, the listens, the downloads, all the great messages. I really appreciate everything that you do. As you know, we do what we do for all of y'all so we can go ahead and bring you some amazing conversations week in and week out. And of course, with some amazing guests. And today, of course, is no exception. So I am excited to welcome today Mr. Devlin Daly, who's joining us. He is a co-founder or CEO of Derivata. And today we're going to be talking about this amazing math platform and what Derivata hopes to accomplish within the K-12 space and beyond. And of course, just the future of math education. So Devlin, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excellent. Well, I'm excited that you're here. I know that we had scheduled this show a lot earlier, but of course, you know, things happen. And now I'm glad that you're on the show today and we're I'm excited to have this conversation with you. So before we dive right into the meat of it, uh, Devlin, if you can go ahead and share just a little brief introduction about your work and your journey before we dive into all the good stuff that Derivata offers. Okay. Nice. Okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll give you the, the the scenic tour, and you can tell me if I'm where I'm at with that. So, I my training is actually in computer science. I did a, a master's in computer science at Brigham Young University, and and my my journey in ed tech actually started as as a student, I, you know, and, and using different technologies as a student, and and actually even my frustrations of using ed tech as a student, right? When I was in, in, in grad school, I was looking, I was interviewing with companies. I was trying to set what, what I should do. I was, I, you know, I was married, I had kids actually. And, you know, I was talking with my wife, you know, like where we should, you know, interview and get jobs and whatnot. And, or if we should think about maybe starting a company, right? It's kind of the dream for us technology guys, right? And, and I, was, I was in a class and I actually took an entrepreneurship class. And there's actually only one other guy in the class, his name is Frank Wimmer. And, and, you know, part of the classes, you're supposed to come up with a business idea and then go through the process of, you know, what it would take to, you know, see if it is a good idea or, you know, if it's viable or, you know, the entrepreneurship, like what we're learning to have to apply it to one of your own ideas. And so, you know, we got through a few lessons about how to, how to do that. And basically like all of the, all of the things we've thought about of doing they were all, none of them would work out, right? They weren't big enough or they weren't, you know, they were for only for, you know, a very select group of people like nerds like us or something, right? So I I remember an essay by Paul Graham, you know, he's kind of famous now for Y Combinator. This was actually before Y Combinator, but he had, had an essay about, you know, technologists is that there's opportunities everywhere, 
and you just need to look for them. And and his advice was is just make a list of the software that you use every day that you don't like, you know, the software that sucks, and then look at them. There's probably a business idea there. And so I went through the thought exercise and and top of the list was the the learning management system we used as students. Right. And and <laughs> you know, it's okay, it was Blackboard, it's okay to say publicly now and all that right. And um, yeah. And, and so we're like, oh, you know, that's probably just what our school uses. And because we don't go to dozens of schools, right? So we just thought it was our school had made that choice. And so, yeah. so I started this long journey, but essentially that, that was the impetus for creating Instructure in Canvas. Oh, nice. All right. So it, excellent. No, no, no. And, and don't worry about the, the length of it. The more that we get, the better, because again, like it's so important to make that connection with our audience members. But I love that you mentioned Blackboard because currently I am in, in a doctoral program and I'm in, and throughout that doctoral program and even through my master's program, we're using Blackboard and yeah, you know, it's a very interesting, you know, I, I think that, you know, coming in from K-12, there's definitely a lot more options for, you know, learning management systems that I think would be a little bit smoother and less clunkier. So, I, but, you know, but that's besides the point. What I want to get at is I think it's something that is wonderful that you mentioned about this paper that you read and talking about making a list of, you know, those products or the, you know, those platforms that, you really didn't like, and then maybe finding a solution or finding a business idea through that. And I am just very drawn by that because at this moment in time, you know, being in education for 17 years now and right now through the podcast also, you know, coming in actually from business and sales into education, now that entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit is there, you know, I'm like, wow, this is such an amazing story. And, and, there's countless platforms that I get to see and I'm exposed to on the year to year and then the day to day that I'm like, yeah, you know, we can do this would be a little bit better. Do this would be a little bit better. So we'll definitely dive into that, you know, but thank you so much for sharing that. And but before we dive in also into how Derivata got started, I want to ask you, though, you know, going into you said computer science and you majored in that. But was that something that you always knew you wanted to do or did you have a different track in mind? And then it just kind of led you to computer science. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, you know, when, when I first went to college, I didn't have like a, a very specific one. I, I, I thought I would need to look at a few things. I think, you know, when I took the standardized test, I thought I was interested in, you know, in, in business or in engineering or and things like that. But I, I didn't have like, I didn't go to college knowing like, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And all right, so I, so I know we're on a podcast, so not everyone can see me, but you know, I, I'm of the age that I, that the internet was not around. <laughs> Right, I kind of grew up with the internet, right? And you know, I mean, we had dialect, you know, at home. And then when I when I came to school, that was when I had like the first, you know, real access to the internet. And so it was actually in my my first semester. College is so fantastic, you know. I was taking a, a computer science class, and I was taking a country western dance class, you know, to meet new people and whatnot. And and I had a TA, he was actually the TA for both of them. He, he was the TA for country dancing, and he was the TA for uh, this computer science class. And so I go from dance class and we'd walk back. And so he's like, hey, you want to check this out? And he took me up to the, you know, the, the not the freshman computer labs, 
but upstairs to the Unix labs. And when he comes up there, he's like, actually, you have an account. And, that, and I'm like, what? What do you mean? Like, was, and so he says, we had, you know, you just log in here, you do this. I'm like, do you have a web page yet? I'm like, you know, what do you mean? And, and so he, you know, on the Unix machine, you actually have a home directory, you make a publication, you know, you drop the file in it and you have a website, right? And that like blew my mind. Like, wait, like anyone, in, you know, it's, it's hard for, you know, my, my kids to understand like how mind blowing that is of like, of, you know, anyone in the world could look at this and I can, I can control it. And, and, and I was hooked, like that was it. I, it was over like that. And that's why, like I got, that's the path I kind of chose it. It's because computer science but is, you know, the, the power of the internet, what it can do and, you know, all the things that, that come along with that. But yeah, but that, that was kind of the moment of, and then. That's great. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And then of course, country, country, Western dance. That's interesting. Uh, well, you know, Hey, you know what, for myself, you know, going in my undergrad, it was Tai Chi. So I had Tai Chi. So that was my okay. kinesiology credit. So, you know, not quite country Western dancing, but you know, I, I, I can relate to one of those classes that's kind of a little out there, but Hey, you know, we just got to get the credit, right? <laughs> well, Devlin, so let's talk a little bit more. You know, I know that you mentioned canvas and structure and so on, but of course, you know, the, the meat of the matter today is derivatives blueprint for modern math learning. So tell us a little bit about how Derivida came to be and what, what, problems or challenges are you uh, hoping to address that many math teachers or math educators may be having through the power of derivative? Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for letting me kind of talk about Canvas because that, that is actually the lens of how I, how I got here. Okay. So, so just a tiny bit with, with Canvas is that is Brian and I had some ideas of what we wanted to do, what we wanted the students, we wanted to be student champions, but then we actually went and talked to people kind of what was needed and then kind of bringing some of the modern technology that we were learning you know computer science and large-scale distributed systems i mean like you know like chemist was the first learning system that was native to the internet or right, to the web right that wasn't just e-school running their own version of it it's like there, there's one version like we know with all the, the major kind of web properties of, of today and so, you know, and so we, we spent actually a lot of time validating what we were building and then actually getting feedback from people before we built things and then, and, and then incorporating that and then keeping that feedback loop, you know, as we grew as a company. Okay. And so I was out, you know, that was, I met with schools all the time and we're talking about, you know, the issues that they were having, how Canvas could help with that or in, in, in some ways how we couldn't help with that. Right. And so, so, you know, I was traveling a lot with, I actually have trouble way too much, <laughs> right? But we, we were talking with schools and, at, you know, and mostly in high red and this idea kept coming up, uh, like what are the main problems that they had? And it was, it was math, even colleges and universities. And it was, you know, it was a little surprising, you know, cause in, you know, a lot of engineering courses, you know, like people, you know, they AP or they skip into calculus and they go from there. And, you know, and that's actually is not the path that most people follow in college is that, you know, and some of those paths are, you know, like students aren't ready to take a college level math class when they go to college. It's something like 60% are not ready for it. And of the ones that are ready for it, then the pass rate is in like the mid 40% now, you know, like 45% of students are ready. And so, and so I guess to capture that, how I look at that is, is that, 
with Canvas, it, you know, the technology, and we like, were at the time we were getting purchased by you know, like CIOs. They were just starting to you know get to the academic side that were actually making the decisions on that. And then as soon as you did, it's like the big problems they're having was it was math, right? The students weren't completing math. They were taking out loans. They were, you know, working through school. And then, and then like, well, college is not for me because I can't pass this math class. And then they would up and have loans without any better, you know, ability to, you know, to earn in their careers from it because they haven't finished their degree. And and so looking at that, it's like, well, you know, is there technology that could come and help with this? And so Canvas was. The design canvas to be like a great solution. We used to call it like the 80% solution. Is that what, what we did? Is that you know, canvases, we weren't trying to be the best at every possible thing that we did. You know, because we have discussion boards and assignment tools and, you know, and, and portfolios and everything. But what it was is that it would work really well with each other and, and you could basically use it without a whole lot of training. Right? It had to be so simple to use. But like, you know, power raisers, like they would need something, you know, much more, you know, that could go deeper or capable or something. And that's why we did a platform play at, at Canvas. So the idea is like, we didn't have to be the best at everything, but we were cohesive and worked so well together and that somebody else could plug in and go really, really deep in a topic. And so when I, you know, finding with these schools and talking about like, you know, the people they need for math is I was expecting somebody to come into Canvas and go really, really deep. With, with math and plug it into Canvas, and 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 never happened. That that actually was the impetus for creating derivative. Is that is that I was saying like there's these problems, there's these needs, there's these things that we need to to help you know to complete everything. It's not just about you know math majors. It's about math as a, a tool you know to be good citizens, to get your degrees you know, and to you know that all the things that happen good from education. And a math is a component of that, but it is the stumbling block. So I thought if there was anything left where you could actually improve math completion, you could actually turn the needle on college completion, right? And, and so it's like, well, but that's the thing that I think I, I, could, I could help with, right? And so, so then going back to like the to derivative is, well, instead of just like, you know, copying what was there, is actually looking at like, well what, what, well, what is there and why isn't it enough, okay? And, and so yeah. I looked at, you know, and hired it, it's all, you know, the publishers, you know, and they started out with textbooks and then they went to like these little course codes and these little quiz engines and found out essentially is that they were doing math content and, and, you know, questions for people to practice and do their homeworks and, you know, the formative assessment, you know, like where they're actively learning the, the topic, but they were using something that didn't understand what was being taught. So, and I guess this is like kind of a part is, is, is campus actually falls under this category too, is that you have a multiple choice question and the question doesn't know if it's asking a history question, it doesn't know if it's a math question, it just knows like ABC. We're going to fill in the blank, it just knows like, well, is the student going to give me a piece of text that matches what I'm looking for, right? And it doesn't understand that in, in math, it's like, I might do something like X divided by two, but it's the... Uh, question is looking for one half X, then those don't match for as a piece of text. But if, you know, if, if it understood the math that was being taught, it would be like, no, you're doing it right. Okay? And so, you know, students were extremely frustrated. So I, you know, with usability issues like that. So, and then when I went digging into it, I found that like the student, the teachers were frustrated too, because they were only able to ask like low level questions. 
right? They just, you know, have a specific answer, right? There's only like one way to do it. And that's the only thing that it, it could handle. And so, you know, and then the students were getting frustrated just using technology and they're fighting this technology more than the, than the subject, right? And so it's that kind of combination of all of that is, you know, they weren't able to ask questions that were worth asking. They were asking too low level questions. You couldn't get enough questions to get good practice. The questions weren't usable. And, 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 and all that, that feedback from it. <laughs> so, so, and, and what I found was that it's, it's a really hard column and that's why no one had done it before. Okay. And, um, you know, looking back is I, you know, what do students, you know, need here that teachers are after. And, and so one is like, you know, yeah, fix the usability. Right. And, you know, questions worth asking, but then there's like the, the broader question that was like, like, like to be candid here as well is that today, like with other systems, when you assign like a math homework, you're essentially getting a test. There is no such thing as a homework because the students only have one chance. It's like, well, I didn't do it right. Well, can you try it again? No, you can't because there's no more questions, right? And and it turns out that, that like there's, then that's other kind of the issues around that, right? So like a, a teacher, you know, having questions enough so the students can practice like mastery-based learning, right? Like, can I practice that, get feedback on it, and then keep going until I do get it, right? And absolutely. And, and so like there is this issue of like that, that's why publishers have an important role here is because there's too much to build for a teacher to do it on their own, right? And so that, that's where like, you know, that, that does make sense, like a high quality designed item, you know, that's kept up to date and supported and whatnot. But then with these item banks, they, they, they weren't large enough either, right? So essentially derivatism is in response to all of that, is how do we make something that is questions worth asking, right? That you're not gonna run out of questions that lets the students keep going until they get it, right? But then, you know, and authentic math questions, right? And not just, you know, rote and low level skills. And then all the things about actually making this something that can actually kind of move the needle. So it means, you know, it, it doesn't get business around it, right? It needs to be self-sustaining that it delivers enough value that, that, you know, folks will use it and that, you know, can then fund future development and whatnot. And so in those, like, you have to meet people where they're at and, you know, integrate with the learning management system so that, that everyone's in different courses and, you know, and, and you know, getting data in the right places so that teachers can make decisions. And so, and so like, I, I'm seeing all these issues and I'm like, okay, like, this is the one I'm going to bite off. Okay. It's really hard and no one had done it. Right. And so I went into like, I went to research mode. Right. And so, so this is great because I, Okay, I guess I, I should think here is that I actually left in structure, right? So I, you know, I built Canvas and, and you know, that has been a, a huge success. And so I was able to, you know, after I left and I was able to take time to go and research this, right? And, and finding out what was needed or not. And so it was just, okay, so like to give you a little example, like it, it was, it was really hard to understand why people didn't do it. Okay. So I'll tell you like what was hard about it. Okay. Is it is basically a, a, a language. Now we have languages for programming, but there are a lot of assumptions that, that these languages make that aren't good assumptions, that, you know, assumptions for math. So a quick example is like a, you know, like when you do like two plus three or something in a programming language, it will automatically simplify that immediately because it thinks that you're trying to do a calculation. 
Whereas when you're trying to teach someone, you need to leave it unsimplified so I can give feedback on it and then have the option to have the computer calculate it for me. Okay. So that make, kind of makes sense. Yes. So like, you know, if someone does like X plus three plus five in other languages, you'll get, you might get an X plus eight. You'll never see that those terms were separate. Right. And so fundamentally like the programming language itself wasn't able to do So we had to build our own programming language. Okay. And one that would actually, you know, kind of respect that part of, of, of math, right? That leaves students answers as is, but then we can evaluate them in both the raw form and in a simplified form too. And and then it, because it needs to actually understand the math, we had to embed a symbolic computer algebra system into that language. And so in the end, is like we can actually ask open-ended math questions and still algorithm. Okay. And then give dynamic feedback to the suit because I can actually take their answer and reflect it back to them, right? And then, and then there's some other secret sauce that we have here, and, and I will tell you. But the secret sauce is, is that we can actually show them step by step how to do the exact problem they're looking at. Okay. So one is like so basically every item now is is essentially its own program. It's a piece of code that knows how to randomize itself so that every variation is about the same level of difficulty. And then it gives dynamic feedback on the student to like, it's not just like a hint, like think about this is like, it's very, it's targeted. We can say like that coefficient is not right and give a very specific, you know, uh, feedback on that. And then after, if they're not getting it or, or whatnot, then we actually show them, okay, this is actually one way that you could have done it and, and how to think about that. And then, and then immediately it says, try again. It's not like, well, you're done, right? It's try again. And try a similar problem, and then it re-randomizes and goes again. So it's just going to keep going. So they never run out of, out of items, so, right? And so it's like you know, the ultimate in mastery-based learning, right? You form an assessment, but you have to do that. And then now, beginning them items, even even with those items, like it's a it's a complicated type, and so we actually had to build tools so that our team could build those questions much faster than has ever been for you know been made. Right. So like essentially like everyone else had like one like or two advanced question types. We had to make that the default question type. So every question had to be that advanced. And so in order to do that, we had to build our own integrated development environment. So and with our, you know, that leverages our language so that, you know, it does help with the randomization and that, you know, and you had a types of math and you, and you had to go really, you know, it, we had to build tools. Otherwise, it would have been impossible to build that enough confidence to do it. Wow. So it's like. In, in the end, though, this is what's amazing is that is the idea is at the end, students don't even know that all that infrastructure is there, is that they just are, you know, interfacing directly with the topic, what they're trying to learn, technology getting out of the way. You know, they're, they're working out the solutions on paper is actually the ideal, you know, because that's a tool for them. And then because we found that having them show step by step, we can only do that a few times because it's too slow. It's too onerous for the student. They're finding this technology more. So it's like, let's take the answer and actually do really, really challenging things with that and only break down into step by step if we absolutely need to. And, and so to a student, it's, it's almost transparent. Is they just, they, they put in their answers. You know, what if they, you know, like it understood, like they said, like a one half X or X divided by two, or, you know, what if they had like a minus and a parentheses, you know, did they need to shoot that minus out? Like, our, our platform understands that natively. So the student is just getting feedback, just, you know, in the zone, right? In the flow of 
of the, that learning process and then keep going until you get it. And then, you know, but then servicing that, that information to, to their teacher, right? Which we think is the, the biggest asset that that student has. Right. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. No, absolutely. Like you hit on, it, it is amazing because Devlin, I was like, I can easily just end the podcast here and say, hey, thank you so much for joining. Because you actually, you answered a lot of the questions, but more than anything, it just seemed like everything that you answered, Devlin, everything has been one of the biggest pain points for me in the last 17 years as a math teacher, you know, you know, K through 12, you know, at least uh, actually ninth grade high school teacher algebra and then moving down to elementary and doing fourth, doing fifth and sixth. And then, of course, working with our content specialist K through 12 and going platform through platform through platform. You hit on so many of those pain points that you. OK, let, let's start from the beginning. Number one. Yes, uh, college, it was a lot of remedial algebra. I had a lot of friends that were taking remedial algebra, even though they were they did very well in high school, but then they would have to take that course because they were doing very bad once they got into college algebra. Yeah. It was like a huge disconnect. So I hear you, but back in the day here at our university, we didn't really have like any kind of computer system. It was like you show up to a 45-minute class that you're still paying full tuition for just so you can get that remedial. And then you just, hey, as long as you get 100 in the class, then you're out. And so then you're losing kind of money and, of course, yeah. that tuition. And then just so you can get into college algebra and then you move on from there. So you hit on a lot of great points where it was very frustrating, where a lot of friends of mine had to go to tutoring and they're there fighting, you know, they're just very disgruntled, they're discouraged. And there was a lot of what you mentioned that I saw that a lot of my friends dropped out saying, oh, I'll just come back, you know, next semester. And then next semester came and then the following semester and the following semester and then some of them just never came back, you know. So I do agree with you to that extent of, you know, we want a successful student that can definitely help, you know, continue their pathway towards success and towards college graduation, you know. So that's wonderful that you mentioned. The next thing that you mentioned that I absolutely love is how you thought about this uh, problem, the solutions that you were bringing in. More than anything, in trying to make the tech not be, I, I don't want to say invisible, but just not the primary actor within the learning experience, I should say. And that's one thing that I love because the platforms that I have seen, the platforms that we currently use, you mentioned a couple of things. Number one, they are pretty much, they turn into assessments because once the student turns it in, that's it. Like they, it's turned in. They can't redo it unless the teacher says like, hey, let me give you one more chance. And then that's on the teacher side. And then, of course, the more, you know, for me, it's always taking things off a teacher's plate. So if there was something responsive, like you are mentioning, where the student can continually practice and practice. And then more than anything, that data that is immediate, not only for the student to get the feedback, but for the teacher, that is something that is very powerful because there's a there's a program that we use and there's a the teacher side of it where if a teacher wants to assign something specific, if they determine that there's an area of weakness and they would love to create something for their student for a tier two or a tier three approach, 
they don't have something that's called like, you know, an assignment builder. Well, they have an assignment builder, but the the actual item bank is under assessment. And one of the things that was a struggle with this platform last year was that teachers saw that name. It's called assessment builder. But I said, no, no, I, I know it says assessment, but I don't want you to think it's only for assessments. Here you can create you know, that additional support that you may need for your students. But there's just something about that word, Devlin. There's something about that word that deterred our teachers from saying, no, 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 I can't use that because I'm not giving an assessment. And I said, I understand. I was like, you don't even have to name it assessment. You can name the title could say practice worksheet. They're like, no, no, no. It says assessment. <laughs> okay. So there, there's that. But also the assessment bank was very limited too as well. Now, because of the state of Texas from last year to this year, they've made ch some changes to that assessment bank, which were are pretty decent. We're now, because here in the state of Texas now, students have to use a lot of drag and drop. They use a lot of text entry hotspots and so on and so forth. So they've accommodated that. However, it's very few questions that are there. And it could sometimes be just one or two per teak that the students are going through and that's just not enough and teachers are wanting more practice. So because teachers want more practice, now the content specialists have to go in and create within our platform that we use so we can create these data point assessments. But even then that test bank is limited. Mm -hmm. yeah. So right now with what you shared with me about Derivative, I'm just blown away the fact that it's pretty much essentially a never-ending item bank, or at least, and what I love is that you mentioned like it keeps the tests, or excuse me, not the tests, but the items very similar as far as the student going through and maybe that additional support, kind of changing the level of rigor here and there and so on. But it's, it seems like it's a great build-up process. And then at the end, I think one of my favorite parts was like we talked about that the the platform is not the star of the show. The whole point is to elevate that learning experience for the student. And so right now I'm, I'm just really in awe and blown away that there is something like Derivata out there and I am just now hearing about it. So I want to ask, is Derivata right now just for higher education or is Derivata something that is K-12 and higher education? It, it is K-12 and higher education. Okay. okay. And sense. and how that came about was you know we we did start out in in higher ed, and, and you know I was essentially kind of following a very similar model that I that I did at structure with campus. We started out in higher ed, you know, but our fourth client was in K twelve structure, right? And and you know doing quite a quite a bit of K twelve. But so I'm very like I knew I was going to be doing K twelve, but honestly, I, it was it happened so much sooner than I was anticipating. And it, it turns out that like a lot of the things that we were making, I wasn't sure how applicable it was going to be in K-12, you know? And it turns out like we made like all the right decisions. <laughs> and I mean, so like one is like, you know, as a, as a college professor, a lot, a lot of them are, they work on their own. And so we needed a, a very simple and a very, very quick way for them to configure it inside their learning management system. And so, like, that was where I called because, like, at a school district, you know, you might have, you know, 
80 schools in a district, right? And 50,000 students, like how do you get that turned on for everyone simultaneously? Because we focus so much on like making it so easy to adopt, like that actual process turned on for the entire district is about three minutes. Turn on once and it's on for everybody, right? And that's like, and that integration is like, it's deep, right? We get, you know, rosters and student names. We get, you know, the assignments. We actually let you build assignments and formatives right within your LMS. And then like, we take care of all like any grades to your grade book if like you don't ever have to do that again. Right. And tracking like your state standards, like, like that's all in there. So, so when I say like, it's, it's okay. There are a couple of things I will pick a few, right. Is we started in higher ed, but then K-12 is we actually, you know, there, there was this thing that happened with, with COVID where people were just, you know, grabbing, they just needed anything. And, and we were not actually doing stuff at K-12 them. So we actually weren't a part of that kind of, you know, kind of, I don't want to call it some, that kind of frenzy, you know, because a lot of companies got a really big boost. We, we did not benefit from that at all, actually. But during COVID was when K-12 schools were like, well, where have you been? Like, why aren't you guys here? And a lot of really interesting parts is that the subject coverage is actually the same. And I hadn't realized this because like you said, like your friend, their college algebra is most similar to like a pre-calculus class in high school. And if you're not ready for it, right, then you have like that, those remedial courses. Well, some of those remedial courses will bring in topics out from like beginning algebra. I mean, so they're, they're pulling in like eighth grade and up essentially. And eighth grade to calculus is the same coverage as eighth class, right, in, in middle school and high school, right? And so we found that we were actually much more prepared for K-12 than, than we had realized. And, and okay, I'm going to say something controversial. It's okay, right? It is, it is, you know, I worked with some of the, you know, the elite universities in the world. And I, was, I love them. They're amazing. But a lot of them, their students aren't coming in at like the college algebras either. So the, the math education is they're not the forefront or doing the most innovative parts in math learning and math education. I find that even in higher ed, it's the community colleges and the two-year schools that are doing the most innovation in there. And I find that it's even it's even more innovation in K-12, right? Because a lot of times, you know, in higher ed, math is, is just a requirement to go to something else where in K-12, it is one of the main events, right? And everyone takes a math class every year. Right. And so we're, I find the pace of innovation just, and we're, we're like, we'll build things in, in K-12 and like, we find out like everyone wants it, even in the college as well. <laughs> right. So I, I say we would do both, but we are primarily K-12 now. It, it has grown so much. It's to the point of like 90% of our, our, our businesses in K-12. Okay. So you're asking about that. Is it K-12? Is it higher ed? It is both. And which is, which is nice. So we actually, you know, we even have a partner where we're working in elementary, right? In K-5 um, with the math learning center and the Bridges curriculum. And then we had middle school and up with the director of courseware, right? And, nice. and there's no limit, right? So we have some schools that are teaching Cap 2, even Cap 3. Well, we have questions for those. <laughs> and go with them. Okay. Excellent. Well, that's good to hear. Now, let me ask you, okay, so since you are working with a lot of districts, you know, do you really take into account and work with And The only reason I ask this is because many platforms that are out there that work math 
me, you know, I won't mention any of their names because we use them, but you know, sometimes they're not standards aligned. And one thing that I have learned about working in education here for 17 years in Texas is if you're not standards aligned, you're not going to get your foot in the door at a district, you know, because that's the thing that they look for. So, and I'm just asking and throwing it out there, you know, as far as Texas is concerned, would Derivata be something that could definitely be a solution for, you know, uh, for a district to, you know, be based on your offerings? Do you have, you know, standards aligned curriculum for this state? Yes, the answer is absolutely right. Right. And it's not just Texas either. It's, it's, it's all the different state standards that we align with that. And so, so it, it, like you say, it is okay. So part of, you know, derivative is that we are problem solvers, right? And so we look at what are the issues that math teachers have, right? Like I need more questions. I need, I need, you know, more practice. I need information, right? And all those things. And so, well, essentially is derivative is response to solve those issues. And like you say, is like, if you're at a district level and, you know, they need like state standards and alignments, you know, like TEKS or in other states, is yeah, we, we have solved that. And we've solved that in a very elegant way, right? So that it's, it's not a bunch of effort. It is, it's easy to use. It just, you know, it, you know, it just works and gets out of place. You can do the things you need to do. You know, and the things that, right, it's sometimes it's like, there is the like, well, you have to do this and check the box to get in. But it's also like, why is the district asking about this? Uh, and it's because, you know, actually standards is a way of master-based learning, right? You're saying like, this is what you should know and like, keep going until you get it, right? And this is this is where you can be at, right? And, and you know, and it's appropriate for the grade level, for the students. And, and that, like that mentality is exactly, you know, you know, it is right in line that, that that's great education, right? And then, you know, how do you get a high quality curriculum? So like derivative does not make the curriculum. Okay, so I guess that's part of the thing to, to differentiate here is that, you know, curriculum and I guess this, you know, I kind of go back to what I said earlier is like Canvas is a, is a technology only, right? Like it lets you build a quiz, but you have to make each question yourself. It lets you put content, but you have to write the content and make it, but, and it will deliver it for you. And on the other side, you have like a curriculum that could be, you know, paper-based or, you know, it could be digital and it's just content. And then in the middle is like what I call courseware. And that is, it has a little mix of content and it has a mix of technology. And the best kind of courseware is that the technology understands the content that it's actually teaching or assessing, okay? And so that's where derivative falls. And so what we do is we have these, these you know, it's not, I, I can't, we need a new name because I can't call it an item bank because, you know, it's not just like a, a multiple choice question, like, in a normal item bank, it's like, it's, it's a dynamic instrument, right? That's helping students learn, right? But we take those and then we align them with the standards so we can also align them with your curriculum. Nice. Right? So you go with both. And so, and the idea is like, yeah, you know, you know, teachers, I, I love you, <laughs> right? And it's our love letter to you, right? Yes. Because, you know, it is, there is so much that is being required of the teachers. It's like, oh, go, you know, because I know what it takes to now build like like an algebra one course, like how much practice do you actually need? And you actually need for your own course, you know, between, you know, like 12,000 items, even the ones that auto-generate, right? And with different randomizations, just so that, like you said, it's not like one question on a standard. It's like, 
you know, can I get a few standards? Is it going to map with my curriculum? And so, and, and then you, and then you just need, you need some practice, right? In that. And so like asking a teacher to do that, um, it's, it's way too much. Right? Yeah. And that's where we come in. So we don't do the curriculum. We will align with any curriculum that you're using. And then we align with the standards. And then that, that actually works out fantastically well. Yeah, actually, it, it, that's one of the things that we do well in our district is that we align our curriculum and then we always look for those platforms that can align with what we have built. And, you know, it, it works out pretty well. However, just what you're describing, though, is, is that one of the huge pain points for a lot of teachers are like, well, I want to I want my students to practice this skill more. But then we have a limited in what we call an item bank, because I, the what we have is truly an item bank because it's really very limited. But I love what you said for as far as Derivata is a dynamic learning bank or a dynamic learning center or just something that's there. And I love the way that you put that because now you can see similar type questions in very different formats, at, but still that are aligned to what that student needs or what is being covered in the curriculum. So Devlin, as we kind of start, you know, slowly wrapping up a little bit, a couple, couple of things that I, I want to ask as far as actionable assessments. Tell us a little bit about that because I know for our educators or teachers out there, they, they want to know, okay, does this have reporting, which I know we talked a little bit about right now as far as reporting for the students, reporting for the teachers as well. But let's talk about these actionable assessments, uh, the feature that Derivata has available and how does this empower educators and to help them make informed decisions? Yeah, I mean, so a little bit earlier you talked about, you know, assessments, right? And and there it was thought of like like that's an exam or a summative assessment or whatnot. Okay. So what I have found even with with you know at, at Derivata and through my experiences is that it's really easy to go from a system that does formative assessment to summative because basically as you you just kind of turn things off, right? You turn off the number of attempts or the number of randomizations or turn off feedback, right? And then we just like, I just need to measure like, how are students understanding this today, like right this moment? And I need to know about that information. So, but you can't go the other way. And that's what everyone else has tried and it doesn't work. That's why we ended up, you know, with, you know, getting exams as homework, right? It's because you can't take like a summative engine and then try to like tack on, the, you know, to make it formative, okay? And what I found is like, there's even, it's a spectrum, okay? And so, you know, we talk about homeworks, formative assessment, you know, you give, you know, quizzes and exams, like, like you know, in a, in a summative sense to measure work to prep today, might have a benchmark, you know, that the district is trying to, you know, get some information so they know where to, you know, like, do do we have gaps in our curriculum? You know, do we, we have math coaches, we have we have resources that we can help and where, where do we put them, right? Even, you know, so, but as you, you can actually think about it, it's actually, you know, on people on the podcast can see I'm waving my hand all around here because it's a spectrum, right? And you go from like, is there actually that much of a difference between like a benchmark and an examiner class or even like a homework? It's like, it's like, well, they're, they're just, they're a little bit different, right? But they all should be giving that information. But if they're all standards aligned, if they're, you know, you know, on target, you know, with curriculum, you know, all those things. It's like, they, they shouldn't be that different. It's just what it's the frequency and whatnot you're giving it. And even to the other side of it, it is, 
would. What about when you're in class and you know, and you look and it's not like, well, yeah, everyone got like an 80% on my homework last night. Okay. I guess it's good to go. It's like, or did everyone have a, like an issue with, you know, question three and that, you know, there isn't everyone coverage and you just don't know it. Right. And we could just talk about it, you know, right. As we're in the, in the learning piece of it. So what I found is that, is that with Drinda is we're actually trying to like, when we see like assessment, we actually need the entire spectrum. And so, you know, like we, I talked a lot about today about, you know, whole works, right. And that formative assessment, you know, and then we, we have exams, right. So you can do summative and the actual assessments is kind of something we talk about, like we can deliver benchmarks, but we also go the other way completely is even in class to have something ephemeral, like, like a classroom response, we call our spot check. Okay, so literally like when you give any assessment, whether that be a homework or a benchmark, and you use that as a learning activity with your students, you can see the question and then push that question to every student's device in real time. And then as students are responding to it, it shows up on the projector or on your computer in real time without names, without saying if they're right or wrong. So you can actually have like productive math discussions in your classroom. But it's very, it's low friction. You've already decided that these questions were worth asking because you put them on a homework and you literally click one button and you're engaged in a math discussion in your classroom. And so when we feel like actual assessments, we're actually talking about that whole thing, okay? Is, you know, I, I give a homework and now we, we reflect back like, okay, this is, these are parts or areas of the coverage, you know, or problems that students struggled with. And then what are you gonna do about it? What's the action? And so, well, one is like you could incorporate it into a spiral review, or you could go the other way and like, let's talk about it like right this second and do it in class, right? Take action about, you know, with, with that assessment, right? But thinking about assessment in that broad sense of, you know, very formative, very, very early, right? And then, and if you look at it with that lens, uh, you know, that everything is on the spectrum and that a single platform could actually go all the way from in class tying your curriculum to your A-class instruction, to your homework quizzes, exams, to your, you know, formative assessment, your summative assessment, all the way into your benchmarks. And a single platform tying all those together is that they really should be just different views of the same thing, right? And like benchmarks don't typically work because it's a system that no one, you don't use it. So why don't you use a system that's used every single day and that's what you used to deliver a benchmark. And then you can actually get data that's, that's, uh, you get worthwhile data. You actually get real data, right? And then, and, and so we surface that data. So when we say actionable assessments is, this is that we, it's, we're actually kicking off an incredible amount of, re, of the right useful data. So what I mean by that, sorry, then we're getting close here, <laughs> is, is the data itself. But then because you're asking an open-ended question, like a multiple choice question, it was like, well, everyone, you know, they chose the wrong answer. It was C, like, well, you don't know why. But if you say, like, you know, give me a function, you know, any function that is linear or that has a positive slope, and we can still auto-assess that, but then after the fact, you can see, well, what are the students actually, well, were the misconceptions? Because we actually have the, their answer is not the translation of their answer to ABC, right? And then, like, and then what do you do about it, right? Like, you know, can you know, is it, can you lift that into something actual in your class? Can you differentiate for the school of students? Yeah. If you have an unlimited bank, 
and an easy way to create these assessments or these assignments or, you know, or like that support for that. Can I bring it to my whole class? And the answer is absolutely. So that's, so when we talk about derivative, it's, it, it is a it's I, part of it is just described that we, we do things much differently, but it's where everyone wants to be going, right? It's that assessment isn't something that you do or something that happens to you. It actually should be a part of the learning process and taking action on that and you know, using that data to your advantage to help those students in their learning journey. Right? And that, that's what the is all about. That's what we're talking about actual studies. And I love that, what you said, because I know in my district, we have what we call data point assessments and those come every so often. I mean, it's something that's not continuous. I mean, essentially it's like, okay, you're supposed to be working on this and at the curriculum, at this given point in time, this is what should be covered. So while we're gonna test that, it's like, you know, 15 questions on maybe what was covered that six weeks or depending on the calendar. And then of course it comes, you know, every so often and then there's the benchmarks, but I feel like there's oftentimes a disconnect in that because the benchmark is more to look like the state exam as opposed to just something like you mentioned, it's assessment should be something that it doesn't happen to you. It's something that you do continually, you know, and working on that. So this sets the the students up for a whole other level of pressure, even though it's a benchmark, they're already feeling that panic because you're shutting everything down and making it seem like it's a state exam. So I really love this approach, the way that you're talking about this and the fact that you offer that dynamic, the dynamic questions and, you know, and everything can be tailored to the curriculum that we have as far as lining that up. And that's something that is important. And my last question to you before we wrap up with our final three questions is, and, and may, may, many educators out there may be wanting to know, do, does Derivata offer language supports for, you know, various languages at this time? Okay, that's a, that's a good question. This question is actually more controversial than I was expecting. Right? Because a lot of different districts feel very strongly about it because, you know, partly it, it is the state exams, right? Is the state exam going to be offered in a different language? And so there was like, you know, there, there's this kind of internal struggle with that. Like, do we help students like where they're at, right? And learn the material regardless of the language they speak, but is that going to prepare them for like things of how like the school's going to be evaluated later on a state exam? Those are really tricky, right? So, so I guess what, what, what we have decided to do at, at Derivata is the, the questions can actually be created in any language. Like the, like, and the underlying math engine that's cool about math is like it translates really well. <laughs> I have words, you know, so the content could be in any language that you would, that you would like. But our item bank, it is in English. And then we kind of embrace the, the web. Is, a, is one of our mantras that, you know, you don't have to install anything extra to make this work. We typeset math, work with the browser that you have. And so our strategy has been is that we actually work with the tools in the browser. So like, you know, so anything that is, can translate, you know, within the browser, then then it will translate to Riva and it will work that way. Perfect. Is that Excellent. Yeah, no, 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 that works. That works. I know like usually, and I'll be honest with you, I know that that's one of the biggest things that at least my experience in my district, that's what they look for. Like, does it offer the language supports and so on? And so maybe some do offer those embedded language supports. But one thing I will say is that I know that for a lot of the platforms that we've seen that the Spanish component is always very, it's lacking 
in many of the platforms. And I, and I get it. it. It's something that is just, that's the way it goes. However, what I do love that I, I don't think that a lot of the platforms that I have experience with, with that, they don't offer, you know, the kind of that browser support because I know exactly the tool. And we do have a tool in place within our district that does offer that additional support through browser-based tool or it's actually extension that yeah. can work very well. So we're very familiar with that. So that works. So that's really good to know, you know, and, and again, and the only reason I ask that is just because, like I mentioned, that's one of the main questions that always gets asked within yeah. our district and through my experience. No, no, but, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, it, it is important. I mean, the other, the other questions are on like accessibility, right? You know, and making a map accessible is that, you know, is that an image can it scale and it's not just about blindness. It's about, you know, like, impairment or motor impairment. I mean, there, there's so many things that go into to that, 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 that is so important, you know, that we, we spend a lot of time and effort working on that. The nice part is that it's a lot of accessibility work and like that makes it available to these other tools, like even like translation tools. And so if this part is like where derivative can really contribute, you know, there's this, there's this little spot here about like math education and like, and derivatives like pressing hard in it. Right, but like these other places, like there's other tools that will leverage that uh, that the students have. Like for example, translation is something they're going to need in more than just math, mm -hmm. and so that's why we we embrace that kind of you know the web itself, so those technologies can come in and translate for it because those are the same tools that they're going to be using in other subject areas, right? Just like you would with like a screen reader or something like that, mm -hmm. um, you know, or contrast is like that's not specific to math, so they can use the tools and bring their own tools with them. That they already know and, and, are, and are effective with. Absolutely. And I agree with you on that. That's wonderful. Well, I mean, this has been an amazing conversation, Devlin. This is wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing the, the work that you're doing through Derivida and obviously the great story on what led to Derivida. Thank you so much for giving us a, a lot of detail in that backstory. And, you know, we definitely loved, actually, I loved this conversation being just a math guy and, and just, you know, you answered so many questions that I'm thinking to myself, hey, you know, I think this is something that I need to kind of draw the attention to, you know, of our district because we're always looking for, obviously, improvement, but we want always looking for a platform that is going to be very, like we mentioned, actionable in that sense that we're going to get information just in time. But more than anything, you mentioned that dynamic bank or dynamic items that are available. I think that's so important because right now, a lot of the platforms, it's the, it's the same thing that you're working, you're working with the skill, but it, it's the same type of question and it doesn't quite change as much to kind of maybe help build and so on. So I'm definitely loving what you shared that Derivata is doing. So thank you so much, Devlin. I really appreciate your time this evening and this conversation. But before we go, I always love to end the show with the following three questions. And I know they were there in the in the uh, Google Calendar. So hopefully you got a chance to check them out. But if you didn't, it's okay. No worries. That way we can get some really good authentic answers. So we'll go ahead and start with question number one. So Devlin, question number one, we know that every superhero has a weakness. And like, as we know, Superman's weakness was kryptonite. So what I want to ask you is in the current state of education and what you see through your purview, through your experience, what would you say is your current 
edu kryptonite what might give you that same feeling that that superman gets with kryptonite in education for you oh like so what makes me feel weak yeah what makes me feel weak it is i i I should have been better prepared with your questions. I knew they were coming, <laughs> but the, 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 I guess the weakness is it, it's still, I guess it, it's still like when I, when I see teachers and, and the technology is not helping them and, and for that they're, you know, and, and, and I see that as well, like with derivatives, like we, I go and watch people and I make sure like, Ooh, that's not, I, I'm definitely not like thinking that derivative solves all math problems, right? I think it's a tool that the teacher uses and when it's not appropriate, then not to use it. So, but I guess that, yeah, I guess my, my weakness is the thing that where the technology is actually making a teacher's job harder. Yeah, but, absolutely. That's a great answer. That's wonderful because I, I think there is such a thing as tech burden or tech overload. And with, after COVID, when all platforms were giving everything away, I mean, you've got people, you've got educators that were just hooked on these apps. And then now there's so many that do the same thing, or, you know, sometimes there's a duplication of efforts and they do the same thing, but then that one's got the one new button, but then it's like, well, does it really help your pedagogy or is it just because you just want to use it? So, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of stuff out there. So I completely know where you're coming from. All right. So Devlin, question number two, all right? Question number two is the following. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? That's a good question. On a billboard? Um, I don't know. I would either put like, you know, I have math technology will travel, either that or just just the teachers, we love you. I don't know. Cause I, you know, I, I, I guess the part I did mention earlier is that I'm a father of five and, you know, and I still have kids, you know, you know, at all levels at school and I just, just, and, and, and education, that's one of the great things about education and technology is like, because it is, it is contributing good in in every way. And, and I just am appreciative of, of, of teachers and our, and our education system in general and just, I'm perpetually blown away and so and so grateful and perfectly grateful for it. So. Love it. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that's definitely a great message for teachers. So thank you so much. All right. And the last question, Devlin, is if you had to write a book tomorrow, what would it be about? Write a book tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> I guess well, I, I'm supposed to be talking because this podcast, you're not supposed to be quiet. But if I had to write a book tomorrow, I guess it would be interesting. Is is I have um, maybe I, I it would it would be about education technology. I guess I guess I'm I don't know if it's boring that way, but I I think that there is so many kind of interesting things and trade offs that you have to make and learnings that you do it because it's not just about the technology. It's not just about the pedagogy. It's not just about like how decisions are made within schools, you know, and even how like budgets work and how to build a company around it, but it, it's all of them simultaneously. And so I, I think sometimes, you know, like on the academic side, they don't realize how like the challenges you need to like building a company in the space and, and vice versa. 
and by being able to like having been in both worlds and both sides, it's like, yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know. I, I find it interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. That's a great topic. I love it. I would definitely buy that book. Cause I, I, like I said, I'm always looking to learn and especially just with your journey and just this evening with everything that you've shared, I've definitely picked up some great knowledge nuggets, not only for myself, but I know that a lot of our audience members definitely found some gems here that they're going to sprinkle onto what they are already doing great. And obviously also everybody's going to go check out Derivata and just to see what that is all about. So guys, thank you so much again for all of your support. Devlin, thank you so much for being here again. Wonderful conversation. I'm glad that we were able to make this happen. And really, honestly, just thank you just so much for being very genuine and just being very forward with your answers and just letting us know really just your passion. I mean, this is something that was very well thought out. And sometimes, like I mentioned to you, through my experience, what I have seen out there, it just seems like it's something that was either piecemealed or it was just kind of put together or it was put together well and then it got bought out. And then after that, it kind of didn't turn out to be what it used to be. And, you know, there, there's all of that out there. But I loved how you describe Derivata in such a way all the way from where it started to where it is now, the supports that are there. And it just seems like it's something that is very solid and very useful. So like I mentioned to you, it's definitely something that I'm going to be checking out more of and diving into more. So thank you so much for your time this evening. And uh, again, uh, a wonderful conversation. And for all our audience members, thank you so much. Those of you that were joining us on the live or those of you that are going to check this out on the replay, thank you as always for making my EdTech life what it is today. We really appreciate all of your support. And I please, I ask that you visit our website at myedtech.life where you can check out this amazing episode and the other 244 wonderful episodes with educators, creators, entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs. We've got shows for everybody. And I guarantee that you'll definitely take some gems with you that you can go ahead and, you know, sprinkle onto what you're already doing great and definitely sharpen that teacher tool belt. So again, as always, visit our website at myantech.life. And if you would love to support our mission, visit our merch store, guys. Pick yourself up a sweater, a hat, you know, all of that goes back to our show so we can bring you these amazing conversations week in and week out. So thank you as always from the bottom of my heart and my friends don't forget until next time stay techie